Today's podcast is a very important and valuable conversation about a difficult topic, female genital mutilation. With that in mind, we'd like to start with a content warning that what we discuss today could potentially be triggering and may not be suitable for all listeners. And they tell you that it's, uh, it makes the female more noble, like more precious. Uh, and it makes them polite. It makes them be faithful for their husband. It makes them not to be disobedient for their parents. But even in Addis, if a lady is growing up and as a teenager, if she breaks uh, a glass or something, people would say, ah, she's not cut. Welcome to the Ending Poverty Together podcast. I'm Shalane. And we're here to discuss big questions about poverty in bite-sized ways. My guest today is Henok Gurma, joining me from East Africa. He has worked in humanitarian activities for 11 years, is currently an organizational development officer with Food for the Hungry, has bachelor degrees in midwifery and management, and an MA focused on youth issues. Henock is passionate about vulnerable groups, humanitarian response, and also issues related to gender equity, diversity, and inclusion, which is actually how I met him as we both serve on a Getty Council with Food for the Hungry. Henock, it is a privilege and a pleasure to have you join me today. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you so, so much, Shalene. I've been... I've been waiting for this, and it's also a privilege for me. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm really pleased to be here. Yes. We have a a difficult topic that we're going to be discussing today. Before we get into that, I would love to start by asking you a question that we're asking all of our guests this season. What does it mean to thrive can I add some disclaimer before that? <laughs> of course you can. <laughs> um, you can start wherever you'd like. Yeah. So um, I have a very interesting English, but it's my 10th language. <laughs> <laughs> Your 10th so, language. That's unusual, Hanak. <laughs> yeah. One of my friends asked me, what are those nine? And I said, those are my mistakes. <laughs> Uh, and actually, as I go, I keep making mistakes on and on. And she said, uh, no, I think it's your 20th language. <laughs> so, yeah. English so, as your 20th language. <laughs> yeah. That would be something to celebrate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll, you'll know later. <laughs> so bear with me. I, I'll do my best, you know. But if mm. there's anything that's not clear, if you ask me, I will try to explain with 10 more words. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Thank it's you. a deal. For me to to thrive is to keep on changing and to make and to create a positive change and mm. uh, a positive change and uh, not to stop, not to stop changing. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but that has to be okay. for me. That has to be positive, and that has to be. Uh, co- like non-stop. Non-stop. Yeah. Yeah. So ongoing change. Yes. Positive ongoing change. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Because we both work with Food for the Hungry, we can both appreciate the value that we place on thriving because that's that's what we're doing with communities is helping them move mm -hmm. from stuck to thriving. Yes. So that's really quite central for us. Yeah. Um, Hannah, I mentioned in your introduction that we first met serving on the Getty Council, mm. and we have each been taking turns teaching one another about a particular issue mm. in our country or in our region. Mm. And you chose to present on the very difficult topic of female genital mutilation, or sometimes otherwise known as female circumcision. What motivated you to speak on that topic? Thank you, Charlene. Uh, yeah, it is very uh, tough topic, not only to present, but even to hear or mm -hmm. even to know that this exists. Yeah. That's a very tough one. Yeah, so what motivates me is, uh, you know, as a Getty Council, we have this window of the mm -hmm. world and we pick issues in our each countries that are related with uh, gender equity or diversity. Uh, so, of course, I wanted to mention one of the topics that needs our attention and nothing could come to my mind than the most worst thing that could ever happen to human being like like the mm. female genital mutilation. We, you know, so we have li this 100 thousands of topics, but this one is, I don't know, this one is the first top for me. It has mm. to be, it has to be uh, discussed. We have to bring it to the table. We have to address it. We have to tell people, we have to, we have to let know people as as many as people we can, and we have to draw attention because no excuse, no cultural mm. excuse, no political excuse, and it has to stop. So if I could contribute for this big problem that our sisters, our mothers, uh, wives, friends, and our community is passing through, I would, I would just take the first chance. That's why. Mm hmm. And perhaps some of our listeners are not familiar with this practice. So mm. would you be willing to explain some of the history and what exactly it is that we're talking about today? Female genital mutilation, or sometimes they call it female genital cutting, but, um, but I don't want to call it female circumcision because circumcision is somehow not, it, it kind of brings it to normal because you know we use male circumcision it's in the bible mm -hmm. but it's but this one it's it's not in the bible it's not medically advised it's nowhere but so i don't want to give it any formal name like that so it's female mm -hmm. genital no, i cutting. appreciate that because it has it does get called yeah that, yes, which yes. Is not our helpful. wording has its own contribution somehow mm -hmm. so uh female genital cutting is uh cutting it involves cutting or removing parts of the female genital uh, for non-medical reason. It mm. could be part of the genital uh, area, which uh, which most of the time could be the the hood of the clitoris, 
and mm-hmm. uh, and there are actually four types of uh, this this cutting. They sometimes do only the cl- the hood of the clitoris. That's the least severe, and sometimes mm-hmm. it uh, it goes the hood and the clitoris itself. And and the third one is they 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 graft like you know skin graft like that. Mm-hmm. They they take the uh, outer part of the labia majora and labia man- minora are those are anat- anatomical mm-hmm. terms. The outer coverings of the female genital organ, the vagina. So, mm-hmm. uh, and there's the fourth degree uh, that is cutting that uh, skin fold. It they just suture it and they leave a very small opening uh, to pass urine and uh, menstruation, and that's not enough, and that makes mm-hmm. it very very difficult for them when they get to pu- puberty. So female genital mutilation, the victims are of course females and usually youngsters, almost always mm-hmm. youngsters. So the late they do it is at the age of 11, still underage. And uh, they have all... S- sorry, Hanak. Yes. Did you say the latest they do it? The latest. Is that age is, 11? Yes. So it's... Oh. Yeah, so it is appreciated if they do it earlier. So if wow. if if you are uh, a parent and you're doing it at eleven, uh, you you will be so much blamed for doing that that late. Wow. Yeah. So even as you're describing, it it sounds horrific. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult for me, and I suspect for some of our listeners to wonder why why is this done? What's the history? Yeah. The history goes actually you you don't find some specific time that it started and mm-hmm. the, they would tell you that we've always done it and they tell you that it's uh, it makes the female more noble like more precious mm-hmm. uh, and it, it makes them polite it makes them be faithful for their husband it makes them not to be disobedient for their parents. And mm. even, actually, but even in Addis, if a lady is growing up and as a teenager, if she breaks uh, a glass or something, people would say, ah, she's not cut. You know? Oh, wow. Yeah, so they will tell you that if they're not cut, they will be uh, restless hyperactive, uh, super sexual, uh, and mm. and actually, finally, if she's not cut, she will not be chosen for marriage. Wow. Yeah, because she will be considered wow. um, a not honest or an outgoing, yeah. Hmm. So when you said that this happens for non-medical reasons, mm. None of those things that you mentioned have anything to do with medical health or well-being. They're all very, it sounds like, cultural or even superstitious. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yes. They would tell you that (laughs) to be, you know, this political correctness is not, I I don't like that. But uh, but they call it... uh, when I was in elementary, we called this harmful 
cultural practices. Now mm. things are changing and you don't call a culture harmful, so you call it harmful traditional practices. Whatever okay. you call it, you stop it. Right. <laughs> yeah, so that's my argument. And mm. yes, it's been there and uh, people, are, people are still doing it almost in, mm. in every region. And mm. it's not only, well, my personal experiences in Ethiopia and in, the, in some border areas of Somalia and Kenya, but even in some Eastern countries and uh, most, and well, most of uh, Sub-Saharan uh, countries, especially on the East, it's, it's practiced according to my findings. When I was studying a little bit on this, uh, I find out in some areas they want to, they kind of medicalize it to say that uh, if we medicalize it, we decrease the risks. But it's still mm. not excuse, even though if it's done with the most profound surgeon or gynecologist, if there is mm. any. So non-medical means uh, even though if, it, if it's done in a medical center or by a medical professional, if, if that person is not crazy. Wow. Hanak, I must confess, I, I didn't know a lot about this mm. until fairly recently. Mm. And one of the things that was the most, that was shocking to me is that this practice is actually carried out by women. Mm-hmm. Yes. Can you speak to that a little bit? Oh, yes. Traditionally, women are uh, not, not just women, but uh, elderly women are the ones who are doing this. And uh, from experience, they are chosen because they are trusted to have the skill. They are trusted to be uh, more caring, you know, after all, except this, except some, uh, some harmful uh, practices they do. They are mothers. And they are the ones who takes care of uh, childbirth, by the way. They are, they are the traditional mm. midwives, we call them TBAs, traditional birth attendants. So they are the ones who are doing this. And uh, if it's coming from them, no one would say no. You know, it's, it's hard to say mm. no. Uh, mm -hmm. So it is the women who are, who, who are doing it, and they are the ones who have some, some kind of skill with delivering babies. They have this, you can call them the traditional gynecologist. So hmm. they're in charge with anything related with women, children, reproductive thing, traditionally. It's, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around mm -hmm. someone who is responsible or in charge of babies mm -hmm. being delivered. Yeah. And also this... Um, practice of mutilation because I I just can only imagine that this practice leads to severe complications for women giving birth. Yes, that's for sure, especially uh, when, when they are giving birth. Most mothers, almost all mothers have PPH, what we call postpartum hemorrhage and, mm. uh, and obstructed delivery or you know, it, it stuck, the process stuck somewhere because 
the tissue around their, the, the, the outlet is already uh, necrotized. It, it's scarred. So if it's a scar, mm. it cannot stretch. It only, oh. it only tears apart. So it leads to fistula. I, I, I don't know if you know that as well. That's mm -hmm. one common consequence of uh, this female genital mutilation. And we have even center. We have many midwives being trained on these areas. Uh, so it, it tears, so the fistula can go to the uh, urethra so that she will, she will not be able to contain her urine. And oh. if it goes back to the rectum, then the fistula is vesicovaginal fistula, then she cannot contain her uh, feces, then everything comes out with the same hole. Wow. Yeah. And this is if she survives. And most of the time, mm -hmm. if, if, the, if it's just bleeding, she could lose her life. She could lose her baby. And if she has uh, any, any other responsibilities, babies or whatever. Mm -hmm. That was one question I was going to ask you, and you've mm -hmm. covered some of the consequences. Are there other consequences that women experience after having had this procedure done to them? Yeah, so the complications or the consequences are the immediate complications and the late complications. So the immediate or the uh, early complications are like bleeding from the actual procedure and they cannot uh, usually stop it, especially if they're, as they say, if they're doing it later or earlier. So sometimes mm -hmm. it happens and they die while they are on the uh, on the procedure or just a bit later to the procedure if they are especially away from health facility so uh, and there could be infection because they're mm. not using any clean material um, i even have mm -hmm. pictures that you really don't want to see that those are like uh, uh, sharp equipments that has so dirty the hands are not washed you know even though wow. it, it, it's it's a bad thing, uh, but it it also contains infections, tetanus, and many other complications. So, and the immediate other complication is depression. That usually the girls want mm -hmm. to flee. I, um, if you remember, I also have shared you a video, the desert flower. Uh, that's a true story. She she wanted to escape, and you know all, all those ladies at that time, uh, those uh, young girls want to escape, but th they can't. So you've just discussed some horrendous consequences that women and young women, children, really experience because of female genital mutilation. It it makes me want to ask why. Why does this carry on? So there must be some social issues or pressures that women face that prevent them or make it harder for this practice to end. Uh, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I think, yes, there is so much pressure, uh, but that's a cultural pressure. Uh, mm. Because these days, Things are changing somehow because uh, if, if by any means, if you come to a legal body or government body, 
uh, saying that I don't want to do this, uh, then you will be rescued, you know, uh, or, or even mm. if you go to school. And there have been some programs that really deals with survivors, uh, with potential survivors, you know. Mm. They, they go and search for girls that have not yet gone under the situation and they, okay. they kind of watch after them, you know. So, mm. uh, yeah, the programs are not, uh, have not addressed all the, or it's the shortageness of the program. It's not, it's not that efficient. Uh, and, you know, some programs start this, then it goes for some three years or five years, then done. All the uh, oh. budget is gone, the employees are gone, right. and no one would own that. So I think it needs some continuous for at least 10 years, you know, uh, until we get mm. some behavioral change. Th that's one challenge because the programs in the mostly uh, uh, dedicated people are not always there. Of course, they shouldn't be always mm. there, but uh, until it gets to the, as we do in FH, communicating, uh, graduating communities from poverty. You, you mm -hmm. know, we don't go in 2022 and 2024 or 5th, we're gone. Bye. We stay there. Right. We stay there and we see the progress in when they graduate, we leave. So programs are not like that. That's one challenge. Uh, and the second challenge is it, it has been there for many years. So, mm -hmm. so the solution has to be also there and the community has to internalize it. The religious has right. to, the Ethiopia is a very religious country in, in all ways. So the politics has to involve, there has to be budget, there has to be people who are really passionate there. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, so that's why. And uh, sometimes the women, there are some women who would start, you know, some kind of uh, change and revolution, but they will get mm -hmm. discouraged easily because it, the approach has to be holistic. Everyone has to come right. with, with one sound saying no and doing something about it. So I think mm -hmm. that's, that's one of the reasons why it's still there. Mm -hmm. I also know, Henek, that this is obviously um, a gender equity issue. You are passionate about issues of gender equity, diversity, and inclusion. I'd love to hear a little bit about how did you come to be passionate about this topic? Why, why does it matter so much to you? Because I believe this is biblical. And mm, it's biblical. Uh, yeah. And and actually before that, if you are just a normal person, normal professional and you are engaged in in tasks and you see something abnormal, you, you see something bad, if you are healthy you have to react, you know. You, you have to we were talking about FGM, female genital mutilation. I was working in a, in, in a Somali refugee camp and one day I was in night shift and uh, some family came screaming and they came with a girl and she was bleeding and she was bleeding to death and she was 11 as I mm. told you. And she was bleeding from the procedure from that the female genital cutting. 
So mm. I couldn't believe my eyes. You know, I heard about it. And when I attend deliveries, especially when I was working mm. in Somali refugee camps, I haven't found one mother who, who was not mutilated. Not even wow. one. I have attended their hundreds of deliveries. But everyone and all is cut. of them had all experienced them. the cutting. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, and if you are normal, I mean, you cannot... You cannot control your, your your feeling here. I mean, this is mm-hmm. not acceptable by any means. And I saw this young girl, and she's bleeding to death, and the family are here, and the, they don't even think it's because of the female genital mutilation that she's about to die. And I and I told mm-hmm. them, and my my Turkmen, my translator was also shouting on them. On you know, she was kind of yelling at them. And I had mm-hmm. to call my friends. I had to do some procedure. I had to make some suture and secure IV line. I did some infusion. I gave her glucose, and she came back to life. You know, she survived, and that's mm. uh, that's a good thing. But mm-hmm. uh, when I asked her, "Why are you shouting at them?" she said, "You know what, my brother? They had to do it earlier. That's why she was about to die." And the whole, oh my. can you can you believe that? And so she wasn't shouting at them bec- because of the procedure. Yeah. She was shouting at them because of the timing. Yes, she was telling them that wow. you guys have to do it early. And uh, that's so heartbreaking. And and stories like these are every now and then. Stories like mm. this, stories of mothers losing their children. One after the other, one after the other, we are giving them some garment to cover the dead body. You know, it's if you are normal and if you are Christian, you cannot be, you, you only have to be passionate about these things. Mm-hmm. So, and this, the gender equity, diversity and inclusion is, it's, I, I always found it in the Bible. We call mm-hmm. it gender equity in, in professional terms, but the Bible has, has, has already said it. There is no man, mm-hmm. women, there is no such uh, hierarchical difference before God. Everyone is created in God's image, and everyone is the uh, image bearer of God. And if you go to Jesus, he doesn't ask you what is your sex or what is your tribe or, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. When I'm engaged in Gedi, I, I feel like I'm serving God, and there's this mm-hmm. diversity issue. You know, Jesus came in that kind of uh, very conservative community. Everyone thinks that the Jews are such and such and the Gentiles mm-hmm. are in such way. And the sinners are there uh, and some are cursed, some are clean, some are unclean, you know. But Jesus came and he demolished that wall. He, he, mm-hmm. he was working so hard to bring that unity and to bring salvation for all not for mm. uh, someone that they think they deserve, not, not for right. some people that are circumcised only, you know. So mm. this diversity is, especially for a country like Ethiopia, more than any tribes, more than many languages, and there's a lot of diversity, and we really have to serve God in this sense, by embracing diversity, by embracing and tolerating uh, uh, different different identities, different ways of thinking. 
you don't have to think like mm-hmm. me so that I could like you or something. And mm-hmm. and also inclusion. The kingdom of God is for all. Jesus was marginalized because he was also called friend of sinners. You know, mm-hmm. if it's a Gentile, he eats with them. If it's a sinner, he spends time with them. If it's a Jew or a Gentile, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm really passionate about this thing because it's always there in the New Testament and and I'm mm-hmm. a New Testament believer. And these days, uh, any other thing I'm very passionate about is the youth, <laughs> my other speciality. And, uh, yes. and this scary thing, I have a conviction that more uh, youth has to be engaged in, this, in these things because more than, that, more than 70% of the population are the youth, whether we do a uh, good thing or bad thing, you know, this generation mm-hmm. that's going through a lot is the youth. So I really believe that it has to be also addressed. Mm-hmm. I I want to thank you so much for this conversation. I really appreciate how you have a perspective that is clear, and you are so uh, passionate about saying that this practice of female genital mutilation must stop, mm-hmm. and yet. I don't hear you being judgmental mm. of people. I hear you having a beautiful perspective of the tradition and the history and the the root mm. causes mm. that lead to this particular issue. Mm. So thank you for your perspective. Thank you for your willingness yes. to share with us. Mm. And I I feel like it's a privilege that we're going to get to know each other even further as we continue to serve together on the Getty Council, mm-hmm. and um, I'm excited about that. One last question. Is there anything else that you were hoping to share with me and with our listeners today that uh, we haven't talked about? Mm. Oh, well, we haven't talked about a lot of more <laughs> issues. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but when you say that about my perspective and not being judgmental, uh, I really want to underline that the reason that I don't have to be judgmental is not only a personality thing, because it's a reality. Mm. If you are judgmental, you're not going to help anyone. I mm. um, I don't know if you mentioned that. I, I also teach in seminary, and what I teach is youth-related courses. I, mm. uh, I, I love one of the, the subjects I teach, youth culture. So okay. uh, I really love the youth culture, teaching about it. So my intention is, if you are, let's say, if someone is my student, I would say I have achieved well if my student becomes student of the culture. Mm. So... Uh, wherever you're going to do some project or minister or uh, I believe that we have to go there as a student so mm-hmm. uh, not as a uh, ed giver or advisor or you know command them you know so we mm-hmm. yes we don't have to be judgmental because it's not gonna help and we have to go there as a student because there's so much complication in there and they really believe that with their heart, that's the best thing they could do for their community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the things they tell you, you see conviction. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they're telling you totally yeah. wrong, but there's conviction. So 
you really have to be the, go there as a student not being judgmental and high sensitivity for their culture and the way they do their things. Mm -hmm. So if you ask me to add something, yes, there are mm -hmm. many issues, but we have to go there as a student. We have to mm -hmm. study it. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. There's a humility in that. Yeah. that helps us to be a learner yes. rather than the arrogance of thinking that we have all the answers when we don't, we don't, we just don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, that's why the gospel has come all this way because they, mm -hmm. it's because of this missiologic uh, formulas that they were using, mm -hmm. embracing everyone, loving everyone, going there as a student. Uh, being there for them, yeah. Mm -hmm. The walking alongside. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Hanok. I feel like we could chat for hours, <laughs> yeah. but we have come to an end of our time today. I really appreciate you and the work that you do. Thank you. And so on behalf of the listeners, thank you for helping shine some light and giving some hope into um, a dark topic. Yes. So we appreciate you being here. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Of course, there is hope and we can do something for that. Thank you so much for the privilege. To explore what your next steps could be or find out more about Food for the Hungry and what other Canadians are doing about poverty, start by checking out fhcanada.org resources.